A big shout out and thank you to listener Mark Radford. You're the man, buddy. He is our newest Patreon, and we just wanted to say thank you. If you're interested in becoming a Patreon, go to dialpodcast.com for more information. Thanks again. Shut up and sit down. Two ways to fix anything: WD-40 and duct tape. Once again, proof you can fix anything with duct tape. You are listening to the Dialed Podcast with Matt Lee Grand, Evan Price, Lance Hepler, and Jake Von Turing. Marriage is a wonderful invention, but then again, so is a bicycle repair kit. Enjoy episode 113. I'm trying to buy some WD-40 and get out of this godforsaken store. You know that one of my biggest pet peeves is excessive bike noise. Welcome back to the Dial Podcast. I am Jake Von Dering, and I'm here with Lance Hepler. Lance Romance live in studio today. Risking his life. Risking my life. Bring our listeners. I am looking like he's trying to rob the place. He looks like a straight outlaw. (laughs) I do have my face covered with a mask, and I'm sitting six feet away from uh, my good friends, Evan and Jake. Mm Mm-hmm. But uh, it's a long podcast arm you got there, microphone yeah. arm. I've got it stretched out pretty far. I'm <laughs> smells way back. I'm not sure if he's showered the last few days either. <laughs> Six feet is necessary. It is yeah. necessary. Awesome. To his right, Evan Price. Well, I'm drinking an Arizona tea. Lance Ooh. is drinking nothing. I got nothing. Jake is drinking out of his hydro flask. So Matt, you may have the most interesting drink today. What is it? I, well, what's interesting is what's in Jake's Hydro Flask. It could be... This is true. This could be very It's going to be some sort of hard alcohol, I assume. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know me. Um, I've got a... Uh, all right. So talk about how much we <laughs> love there this, this coffee place. I've got a Hidden Rivers little mug here. I don't know what kind of mug these are. Vacuum insulated. Super nice little mug. It's my wife's. It's got like a little girl running sticker on it. Stole mm-hmm. that from her. And uh, it is filled with... A uh, coffee, decaf coffee roasted from Hidden Roasters, uh, and it's fantastic. Thanks for asking. Oh, also, um, what was the busy, the homemade fizzy water? Um, uh, I can't remember. Soda, I never... Soda Stream. Soda Stream. Thank you. Gotcha. Oh gosh, sorry for all the dings there. <laughs> I, I, Just getting them out of the way early. I, I've got everything turned off, and now there's a new dinging thing that comes on my computer. <laughs> and of course, it's my kids requesting time because right now is their break at home to be able to have free time to go like do their YouTubery stuff. So <laughs> YouTubery. I've got everything turned off, and now that comes on. Dad, can I get on the internet? Yeah, exactly, yeah. they're requesting like access to. You know, get on certain apps. So, Dad, Sorry. can I watch that Matt Legrand guy on the internet, please? <laughs> can you just put out a new video? I want to see it so I'm bad. I'm pretty sure that's what they're looking for. Yeah. I, I guarantee it is. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. And last but not least, Matt Legrand. What's up, ladies and gentlemen of the internet? How are you guys doing? Good. You look good. Doing all right. Yep. You look good. I mean, as long as you keep that mask covering your face, you look really, really good. <laughs> yep. Yes. There you go. 
<laughs> you have a mouth for a mask. Yes. Yeah. Cool. Let's uh, let's jump into some backpedaling here. I'm curious to know, Matt, how was your week? What's new? Uh, it was okay. It was quarantine tastic. Uh, I actually did sneak out and bike a whole bunch of times, which was, but it was horrible because they were all really short rides or rides. <laughs> with, I mean. Uh, well, I know I don't Matt's, mean it's Matt's, Matt's Strava I... was my favorite this week because it was so random and just so seemed random. like <laughs> it's like half mile run, yeah. uh, eight mile bike ride. It's like stuff like that, like all week long. Um, <laughs> like one ride, I had to like race back to get on a conference call with. Uh, I I'm working with Snapchat on a project, which is hilarious. Really? Because uh, I'm like the least <laughs> cool person that I know. <laughs> And Snapchat is honestly Snapchat. At least a little while ago, they were they were kind of like the coolest company, and that is just not who I am. So, uh, but anyway, so don't say then, yourself short, Matt. Are Are you going to be doing something for TikTok soon? That's the new <laughs> new TikTok thing, Matt. Totally I'm not sure right. if you TikTok know about like that yet. Thing. Yeah, um, I I don't foresee that in my future. But I, <laughs> yeah, don't speak too soon. <laughs> yeah, and then uh, I actually rode with my kid. Uh, and we went. I was just like, I'm following you. That's what we're doing. We're going wherever. Um, and I don't know. We did 11 miles or something like that. And it was totally like a, it was the same thing like Jake and I would do. We were just like, where's this go? Don't know. Let's go. And then we would just turn and just wander through neighborhoods and stuff. It was it was nice. Oh, that's awesome. That's good. Um, but the highlight of the week was not even one of my own personal ventures, but my wife, actually. Uh, she went out yesterday. And did a 26.2 mile run. Mm-hmm. And wait, uh, all, wait, by herself, all by alone, 26.2. She ran a full marathon solo. Solo, solo marathon. Wow. I saw, I saw the I've kids. I saw in the pictures the kids were out there with her. Was that during the race, or was that afterwards? It, well, let's not call it a race. Uh, but <laughs> it was um, during. We met her at a whole bunch of different places and kind of like tried to you know, cheer her on and bring her water, bring her snacks, you know, it's just stuff yeah. that you, you know, can do when you, um, when you're have a lot of extra spare time on your hands. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, so the, yeah, we met her at 13.1 and the kids ran with her for a little bit. And then we met her again at like 20 and a half. Um, and then I think Ethan ran the last mile with her. So she like came home at 25.2 or whatever, and then ran one more mile with Ethan. Uh, so it was awesome, and I tried to take pictures, and yeah, it was, it was oh, super that's cool. very cool. Yeah, was this okay? This was Boston. This was this, Boston this was weekend. supposed to be yep. her. So Boston is generally on it's it's run on Monday. It's always mm-hmm. run on Patriots Day, which is In a fact, today is today. Is Congratulations on all of you guys for surviving Patriots Day. Yes, we are yeah. here on Patriots Day. Yes, we record this on Monday. It's the twentieth. Is say the twentieth? Yeah. And so actually today is Patriots Day. Yeah. yeah. Um, she would be racing. I would be with her in Boston yeah. had um, yep. things gone differently the past month or two. You guys still planning on going in September if it's still yes. held in September? Okay. Yeah, that's the plan. Mm-hmm. So so she'll have to um, – Lance, don't listen to this part, but she's probably going to have to cycle her training – uh, down with a break and then ramp back up. I mean, she's, I don't understand think, what that means. Yeah, she would. You would think it'd be like a 365 day training plan, but mm-hmm. uh, in fact, it's probably going to be more of like a, a 90 day training. I'm mean, something silly like that. Yeah. You know what's funny? Um, I I may have mentioned this before, but I've I've run the Boston Marathon three times, and I have sucked every time I've run it because mm-hmm. it's an it's a spring marathon. 
I generally could not keep up mileage through the winter. I just I just ran terribly through the winter, and so mm-hmm. I would go into Boston in terrible shape, and I would plot out like a four and a half hour marathon. So <laughs> now, now Kristen had gone into this with pretty good shape, Matt, hadn't she? I know, you know, I know, I know. She had kind of battled was, some nagging stuff earlier this year, had, but right, which I think actually um, her knee was bothering her, and you helped her with that, which was huge, very little helpful. It was mostly her good solid aerobic capacity that, that did that, yeah. but, <laughs> but but yeah, her fitness was really fine. I mean, it was solid. Like she was going to go and do Boston, um, not like to kill it, you know, yeah. but just to uh, kind of participate, Lancer, yeah. which I think yeah. is a really nice Experience way to do an it. event. Yeah, but uh, she. She was in excellent shape. She was ready to go. Everything was, you know, trending. She was, you know, targeting everything perfectly for all of her long runs. Uh, but then once the virus hit, then the marathon got canceled. It was like, do I really want to go out for a 22-mile run? And right. the answer, yeah. obviously, is no. no. And so she basically, like, scaled everything back. She would go out and do a 10-mile run instead of, you know, 22. Um, but then she kind of got the idea, like, oh, I, what if I just go do this marathon distance during the weekend that it would have gone down, you know, during the race or whatever. And so she kind of ramped back up a little bit. I think she mm-hmm. did um, she two weeks two, ago, she yeah. did something like 18 or 19. I don't remember what it was. That's but. what I thought. Yeah, I saw her creep up to that 20 mark again. Yeah, so I wouldn't say that it, her training was, like, fantastic or anything. It was fine. And she didn't, like, kill herself on this run. I think she ran 351 uh, for her total marathon yesterday, which mm-hmm. her PRs, like 321 or something so yeah. significantly slower than she could but of course it's more hilly here than Much it would hilly. be potentially yeah. even in boston right boston's yeah. a net decline so uh i'd say you know that she did a great job and that she needs to kind of take a little bit of a break now before she's even starts to think about ramping back up so matt your your wife's in healthcare. has her yes. time at work has it kind of ramped up or is it backed off i don't exactly know what she does in healthcare. Yeah. Okay. So she's family medicine. She's family medicine. Okay. Yes. She's and a doctor. So I knew she was a doctor. Yep. So uh, she, the plan was uh, for her to basically this week was supposed to be kind of um, they thought or were predicting that this was going to be peak week of uh, or the next two weeks this week and next week were going to be kind of peak weeks for the virus. Uh, and so the plan was her for her to kind of like go full gown and just do straight up testing, uh, and she was going to basically have to work some and maybe potentially work some weekends and things like that. Um, and what's good is I don't think that that's going to happen at all. I mean, we're going to find out more tomorrow when she goes into work, but like every day could obviously change, but for the most part, like it looks really good. Like she's just going to have to maintain her normal work schedule. Gotcha. Uh, and she works basically 75%. She doesn't work full time. Like she's not, you know, she, she works a few less days than, than most, and she does take care of kids and stuff like that. In fact, one of the reasons we probably do the podcast on Monday is because she can take care of the kids typically on a Monday. Uh, so cool. Works out. Well, we're just, you know, super proud of her and all the healthcare workers out there and what they've sacrificed and what they're doing right now. It is just, uh, it's neat to know somebody like Kristen and what they're sacrificing for all of us. Yeah, so, it's a huge sacrifice. You. I mean, every day when she comes home from work, I get a, like a fire hydrant hose and uh, it's cold <laughs> out just, right now. And so when I hose her down. You just blast her down in the front yard. That's brilliant. Yeah, I blast her down and have her stripped down naked and blast her down. And it's uh, In the it's middle of the cul-de-sac, right? Yeah, the, the neighborhood, you know, just stands out there and heckles her. So it's a bit of a sacrifice. Uh, I like it. Awesome. Yep. Lance, backpedal. Backpedal for me. Uh, let's see. I had a bit of a down week. I had a huge week the week before and 
hey, big surprise, I felt it this week. <laughs> <laughs> I was uh, I I was a little tired this week. I still put in twelve hours, I think. What was it? I still put in twelve hours. And yeah, because like, you had gone over twenty the the week before that, didn't you? Yeah, it was like twenty four. It was Jeez. gigantic. God. <laughs> but I had nothing else to do, and and I'm like all anxious because I'm finally I can finally train again after my accident, and so I was excited to get out there. But this week I was just like gassed. So I did ride outside uh, several times. Um, actually, this is funny. I only rode inside one time, and it was just to do a ramp test for 25 minutes. Only one time this last week you did inside. Yep. Oh, man. It's a nice week though. I mean, yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I was able to. I rode with my wife several times. Um, and I, you only rode four days, didn't you? Yeah. God, you I, put in big miles on those I days. Took, so. I took three full days off this week. That's because, good. Wow. That's I, good. You know, a, I was just kind of a little gassed, and B, you know, my my daughters are home, and my daughter's girlfriend, and we were just hanging out as a family and doing stuff, and I just I didn't want to miss out. So you know, was, your, yeah. your your Strava weekly mileage right now looks like the gradient from a Tour de France stage. <laughs> yes. It's like it goes. Big. We're high and we're going down, 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 down. We're leveling out at sea level and now we're climbing back up yeah. to the peak and it then a sharp big. decline here this week. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so Lance, you said you were feeling tired, but how how was the um, hip feeling? Um, actually, I, I'm not feeling it at all. Um, get off the bike because remember you were saying like you felt fine on the bike and you'd get off and you'd be kind of okay. hobble a little bit. The the worst time it felt this week is uh, I pulled out the pressure washer. And uh, went to do like a 20-minute job to pressure wash the hot tub so it was nice and clean, right? You weren't hosing your wife down like I yeah, was. Yeah, right, with, except, <laughs> except with a high-powered pressure washer, the gas-powered pressure washer. And uh, five hours later, I finally put the pressure washer away because, you know, you start pressure washing, you start seeing everything that needs to be pressure washed, and I just couldn't stop. Pop can't stop. <laughs> and so w- once I was done with that, I, I couldn't. I couldn't walk without a limp for like the next 12 hours. Yeah, just, man. Just from being on my feet. <laughs> so <laughs> the bike doesn't hurt it at all. It power actually washing feels, is brutal. That yeah. is like a hard, hard activity just in general. So, yeah. So it was a little much. So, yeah, my hips feeling fine if I just ride and then lay on the couch with my feet up and watch bad movies. But if I'm doing anything more than that, I start to feel it. So I have to be. What's the worst here. movie you saw over the weekend? You know, I've been watching all good movies, actually. Really kind of good stuff. What's the better Term- Terminator Genesis. Uh, yeah, me and Matt, <laughs> we were texting about something. All I the was Nick watching Cage movies. Terminator Genesis. <laughs> uh, well, I watched a couple Oscar contenders because my one daughter is a film yeah, is a film student. So she knows good. good yes. Films, we watched like we watched Jojo Rabbit last night. If you guys haven't seen that, mm. it is Phenomenal! It is a great Jojo movie. Rabbit. Jojo Rabbit. Okay, I'm gonna put it down. It it, it was a it was nominated for best Oscar for best I, picture. Is like Hulu? Could I probably find it? Uh, you know, I rented it through Comcast, so I I don't know. Huh. I have never even heard of that. Yeah, it, it's, Jojo Rabbit. It's a okay. Wakita Takaido movie. What's his name? Uh, I think I just butchered his name. He's this New Zealand actor director who is just fantastic. Huh. Jojo Rabbit, I, we're getting way off base here, but what else are we going to talk about? Yeah, so, <laughs> this is, no, this is right up our alley right now. So, this is good. <laughs> Jojo Rabbit is about this 10-year-old boy in Nazi Germany okay. who is a, 
a uh, a a budding Nazi, mm. and he has dark a, start. Okay, yeah, he has an imaginary friend who is Adolf Hitler, and they have this uh, um, hilarious back and forth banter about stuff. It's yeah. it's it's a comedy, but it does deal with some dark things. Okay, okay, be, uh, because it's Nazi Germany and they're hiding a Jew in the house. Anyway, yeah. So, but. Fantastic Don't ruin movie. it because I want to watch it. You now. will. Yeah. You, okay. You'll actually really like it. You'll cool. laugh that's hilariously. On, you'll that's on this cry. You will. Yeah. So Judge Rabbit's a good movie. Yeah. Nice. I, nice. Yeah, I'll quit talking about movies. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, you you mentioned Germany, European cycling. There you go. So, there, <laughs> so, there so there's a connection go. to the podcast. All right. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, highlight for me this week, I did I did ride a couple long rides outside. Uh, once by myself, a couple times with my wife. She's been mm-hmm. out going 30, yeah, 40 miles. Been with getting me. some serious yep. miles in, yeah. And uh, actually, uh, yesterday I snuck away with Jake. Yep. Uh, the two of us uh love it we yep. just happened to be leaving the house at the same time and and we ended up connecting and just the two of us and i rode like 70 miles and jake rode like 50 and that's what happens when you stalk people and find your friends this is just like <laughs> there's no we we know when each other leave the house now <laughs> we we did this beautiful route through uh north clark county which has a bunch of rollers that are just fun to ride I I definitely was not feeling all that hot. Jake was smoking me on every roller, and it was good to just feel like, oh, I am not that good. <laughs> so that was that's good. A, that's a good reminder for all of us every once in a while. He was carrying fatigue. If it was in the other week, uh, he would have me my lunch. So it was it was, it was winning fun. the group ride. We all know winning the group ride is yeah, the most yeah. important thing. Yeah. Even even these days when it's only a two person group ride. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that was definitely nice because I did not, I didn't think I was going to go for a ride that was that long. I didn't think I was going to get to ride with anybody. And Lance and I connected him like, where do you want to go? And he threw out three options. I'm like, let's do that. And he came up with an awesome route. And I wasn't supposed to be gone for that long, but it all ended up working out. And it actually ended up being just a hair shy of 60 miles. And it was oh, yeah. about three hours. And that was good because it got that me right to my 10 hour for the, the week mark. Oh, so, good. Yeah. You guys had some great weather during that ride, Tim. Look at your picture. It was oh, beautiful. Beautiful yeah. out there. Yeah. So. What day was that? Was that yesterday? Yesterday. Yesterday? No. <clears throat> yesterday? Yeah. yeah. Yep. Yesterday had some good weather. We actually saw yeah. quite a few people out riding. Most everybody was riding alone. There were a couple groups of four or five we saw. Yeah. But uh, it, it was. It was just nice to just have just Jake and I. I've seen more and more families out there, or at least what I'm assuming are families. You know, (laughs) there's like a young person and a man and a woman older, and you think, okay, family out for a ride, which is good. The best part, we're riding through this, you know, down this country road, and there's this, like, 10-year-old kid on, on like, a beach cruiser bike or something, and he's riding along, and he's got his either his brother or his sister on roller skates holding on to the back of the bike. Oh, sketching, and yeah. Then, and, then a, yep. and then a second sibling holding on to that sibling. It's like the full-on uh, train, yeah. So there's a kid riding that's a bike awesome. with two kids on roller skates, and Jake made the comment like, that's exactly what kids should be doing right now Absolutely. during this quarantine. Learn how to roller skate while holding on to a bicycle. That's they need, the the, yep. they, they, they need the kid on the scooter and the kid on the skateboard with them to make it a, a full trio. <laughs> it, it was awesome. Awesome. Yeah. Evan, how's your week? Uh, it was fine. There's um, <laughs> getting real tired of indoor training, that's for sure. Uh, I think, you know, we um, 
it's probably a time for a little bit of downtime for me here coming up. Um, this would have been like the end of a race train cycle going into like what would be a come down period. So I kind of did like a little simulated sort of race, I guess, on Saturday. I went up uh, what's basically a 40 to 45 minute just watt time trial up. If anybody's done Alp de Zwift before on this, it's. Oh, yeah, that's, I heard about this. It usually yeah. takes people about an hour to an hour and 20. Yeah. <laughs> and it took you how long? <laughs> 4130. 41. Wow. Holy I'd like cow. To, I'd like to beat that here in a month, but that actually was, was a pretty tough effort. And then I rode a virtual century on top of that that day, which basically I rode 100 miles while staying in place. So as my friend reminded me multiple <laughs> times while I was texting him on the ride, is you actually haven't traveled anywhere. You haven't gone anywhere. You haven't gone anywhere yet. <laughs> You're you're putting out a whole lot of watts to not be moving here, so. But yeah, um, I I am gonna focus on the bike for a little bit here going forward. Um, had had some good run fitness over the last couple of months, but I think it's time to come down from the run for a bit. So, I'm gonna really just ramp up the hours and try to pull Lance into a couple twenty hour weeks. See what it does for me and. Yeah. Your body's gonna respond way better we'll than mine is. <laughs> I am I am a little <laughs> bit younger and a little bit a little bit more, but it's it's been good. You know, I've 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 enjoyed the the Zwift racing and using it as motivation. But I think just like anybody, you know, this we're, we're just getting a little bit worn down with the the indoor miles. Yeah. So yeah. probably gonna get a couple. Uh, I'm getting my gravel bike out here the crux to do some riding around uh fort vancouver uh, i love riding the grass out there so i'm gonna yeah. try and convince tonk to come out and we're gonna set up a little time trial course and i want to race there, it out there so. there are some segments around the backside. oh i've i found most of them so there's actually a couple there, yeah. there's one that you're on that i want to try and get yeah. I, i'm not sure if you have the kom on it but you're up there i i might I it's think the I gravel might sprint on the back side on the back side of it yeah. yeah i've like just goosed it back there a time or two oh yeah there's some really fun ones like through the little cool houses back there too so i'm just gonna go random segment searching basically let's go back to your, your little Alpha whip thing give us a little bit more background on that tell us a little yeah. bit more about what happened there what that was all about so i'm i'm actually trying to set up a couple of these going forward uh two for a couple of the co uh, kids that i coach too but um uh, there's a friend of mine who I've really just met through the, the internet and we've done some, some of the same races, but we actually haven't raced each other. His name's Tyson Wyland. And, um, he's a former, I think he ran for, I could get this wrong. I think he ran for West Texas, uh, Matt. I think he ran for West Texas a couple years ago, but, um, he's a professional triathlete now, uh, who raced draft legal. Okay. Um, and he is fast as all get out. He's a very strong swimmer, collegiate level runner, obviously. And, um, uh, is developing as a pretty darn good cyclist, um, a surprisingly big guy for a collegiate runner. Uh, so, you know, uh, Alp de Zwift more favored my style of riding than his style of riding. But uh, we decided that uh, we were going to race each other, and he was going to open it up to, I think, a cycling team called Sakari that he works with. Okay, and just like his local team. Yeah, I yeah, and then I was going to open it up to Dialed. And in the future, we want to do a couple more of these, but um, – He's doing, I think actually tomorrow he's doing a pro race up it too, like a pro indoor race up um, Alp de Swift. Uh, but me and him set it up. It was going to be a small group. I think six or seven people ended up getting into the group. And um, next time we'll invite even more if more people want to join. But uh, it was basically uh, a race up Alp de Swift. You start further away and we kind of spun up as a group. And at the base of the climb just went all out um, up the whole thing. Uh, Tyson a week or two ago had put in a really good effort, so I don't think that he had the legs that he usually has, but 
my my goal was me me and Tonk had said just whoever felt better between the two of us was just going to go and um I just started at some ridiculous I tried to hold six watts per kilo as long as I could um anybody who's watching any of this stuff online watch Ineos's team ride up that Rowan Dennis was sitting there holding like 6.2 6.4 for the entire time up that climb it is not an easy climb to pace you're basically holding 10 percent the entire time yeah. so you're in and out of the saddle you're I mean it's really you're under muscular strain that entire climb so yeah. it's basically you know 40 minutes of just what just, was Rohan's time Rohan was 37 and change, I want to say, 38. Wow. So. But he got you by three or four minutes? He got me by three or four minutes there, yeah. That's still, to be within that I, I'm not even time. within spitting distance of that. I'm within a, a baseball throw from Nolan Ryan distance there, but that's about <laughs> it. So, But, um, yeah, I, I felt good the whole time. To be honest, I didn't even feel that spent at the end. I felt like I was within myself the whole time. Uh, but I was holding right around five watts per kilo. I think my final was like four eight eight or something like that. So, and I believe you finished about a minute and a half of front in front of the the next person. I think I think Tonk was two or three minutes behind me, but Tonk was holding back at one point because there was a chaser on that team that was trying to bridge the gap. Uh-huh. And Tonk, being the consummate teammate that he was, like trying to not like help that guy bridge. Yeah, yeah. So he waited for that guy to crack and then just went all out. So, <laughs> Tonk at his absolute. I would, I mean, me and Tonk do a lot of riding together, a lot of hard train together. I really, I mean, I think that we would both answer the other, but I think if me or Tonk do a really hard 40 minute climb, my money's still on Tonk over me. I think I'm close to him. I think that we're right there, but he's, he's a different animal than he was last year and he was fit as heck last year, but he's a little bit lighter than you. He is. Yeah. He's I'm, I'm usually racing around low one fifties. He's low one forties, mid one forties. So Tonk's like five nine or yeah. something like that and evan yeah. you're like six, six foot yeah so you guys are too fast yeah but yeah <laughs> too it's, skinny <laughs> it's but it's it's it, it may sound nuts but really as you know as, as we're all going through this bummer especially as triathletes and not being able to race right now which i you know we can all speak to it's nice to at least have some competitive outlet where you can just you know match up against people and at least do something so sure yeah yep it's been it's been funny to look forward to these things huh well done, my friend. Good for you. Thank well you. done. Thank you. <laughs> I was invited and did not do it. <laughs> I know. I texted, I texted Lance in the morning. I was like, Lance, where are you at? He's like, I was I'm like, still in bed. I'm still in bed. <laughs> it was definitely an early morning. <laughs> I was not. Ty- Tyson's central time. So so Tyson was like, all right, man, we're doing 10 a.m. central time. I was like, crap, that's that's 8 a.m. P- and, and you can't just jump on the bike and do this. I needed like at least a half hour of prep. <laughs> yeah, just thinking about 40 minutes of pain okay. for <laughs> How many rides did you upload that day though? Like you had your warm up, you had a cool yeah. down, you had this other ride. I raced again later actually. Yeah, I think that, I yeah. saw like four or five different uploads. It was like you. 108 virtual miles I think with two <laughs> full out races in it and That's hilarious. It was yeah. No wonder you're sick of the train. I know, man. I'm like I'm toast. My body's toast. It's yeah. We're we're going to have to rebuild through May. So that's <laughs> When was the last time you rode outside? Um, two weeks ago, I think. Okay. Yeah. That's yeah. not too bad. I'm going to this week. Like I said, I'm going to grab a gravel bike. My, my only thing is I'm just so n- nervous and neurotic about crashing right now that I just don't want to have to. That's, that's the only reason I'm not outside right now. And I'm once May hits, I'm going to be outside a bunch. So gotcha. Yeah. Cool. Awesome. I will run through mine real quick so we can get on with this. Um, just like you guys did a lot of indoor training 
and did ride outside twice. So instead of joining you guys on that ride, I opted to jump on the gravel bike and kind of did my little Better choice. It was solo nice gravel <laughs> adventure. Well, actually, it wasn't a nice day. It was like, oh yeah, that was, was Saturday. Rainy. It was yeah, raining Saturday. It was wasn't raining. It? Yeah. So yeah. I kind of I was kind of jonesing for a little bit of rain. I'm like, well, if it's raining, I, I don't want to go on the road. I'd rather ride on the gravel. And yeah. So I, I did that. And the, you know, the trails were nice. The ground, the you know, probably not a lot of people out there since no, it wasn't no. super nice. You know what? Every ride that I've been on recently that has been outside or just driving around in general, there are families and people on bikes everywhere. Yeah. I love it. It makes me happy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That day, I saw one other cyclist. Yeah, yeah. Nobody that was there. it. No, but I mean, there were some walkers and some joggers and whatnot, but there was nobody out there on bikes. So it was pretty much I had everything to myself. And there wasn't near the herd of people down there that have been on the dike uh, in recent yes, weeks. So crazy. it was kind of nice, too. Um, there were some guys down there that were young and, and flying. They, I mean... They were running like I, how I had envisioned Evan going out for a run. These guys were jamming, so um, they're kinda, running on the dike. Uh, yeah, 20. but they look like they're in a full they're sprint. Some of Matt's kids, they're younger <laughs> Matt guys. They look like they're in a full there. sprint, and then like I turn around like and, and started heading back, and they were still in their full sprint mode coming back. I'm like, my God, these guys are moving and grooving. So they're uh, probably somebody you guys There's, know. That, there's nothing flying. better, Matt. I'm sure you've done this when you're on the trail and like you're running a interval and you get to pass a bike that's actually not going too slow just for like a second. You're just like really surprised the cyclist when you come up on him and then that's only a 30 second interval, so it's it's backed <laughs> off and the bike's flying by it. Then, but yeah. it happens. It happens. So I had a, a funny little shift of uh, like a paradigm shift, if you will, in terms of like our family's cycling dynamics. Before I went on the ride with Lance yesterday, my wife had logged more miles on the bike than me what yes <laughs> i was like how <laughs> what dang she had put like before she didn't even ride yesterday and she had eight hours on the bike i'm like wow that that's kind of nuts and like wow. i go into the day i had only seven and that's kind of low for me but you know i fin- still finished with uh, a few more than her but i was i was proud that was kind of a neat thing to see her do her thing but um, aside from that, I did get my MRI results back. Oh yeah, and my shoulder, it it hurts. It still hurts, and I was able to ride outside twice this weekend, and it hurts. But the good thing is, is according to the doc, I'm not going to make anything worse. Um, the MRI came back, and there's definitely stuff that needs to be addressed. Um, he made it sound like a lot of the issues I'm having can be addressed by this joint capsule procedure that they're going to do. But I'm not going to make anything worse by going out and riding. So it's like if you can you know, deal with the pain, then you should be fine. Um, but I am dealing with there's some uh, cartilage that's on the top of the humerus and there's issues there that, that came up in the MRI and he will take a closer look at it when they do the surgery. Um, I'm not sure if there's any cleaning up really that they can do. According to him, there's not much he can do to help me with that. And I'm just going to have to deal with, um, I guess, arthritis and some impingement pain that, that comes along with that, which kind of sucks. So that's for life. I, I'm not quite sure how to <laughs> deal with that otherwise. So It's just pain. It's just pain. At least knowing mm-hmm. it's just pain yeah. is a little bit of relief. Yeah, I mean, I mm-hmm. still get a lot of impingement. Yeah. I still get a lot of pain. In, according to him, that's just coming from the joint capsule issues that I'm having. And then there's going to be a certain level of um, permanent nerve damage that I'm dealing with. But it's nice to know that I can go out there and I can I can ride and I can you know kind of get into the bike a little bit. And that pain that I'm feeling isn't making things worse. So I'll just have to deal with it, I guess. So Yeah. Yeah, and I think I think a lot of that that base nerve. I think you know, I wouldn't underplay the the axillary nerves impact on that too. Yeah, I think you know, I mean that that joint capsule pain is something that it's just like arthritic pain. It goes through cycles. It can adapt over time too. The the axillary nerve pain is is the more interesting part. That doesn't typically happen in injuries, just in general. You yeah. know, that's 
that's I think the more of the X factor that you're dealing with with your shoulder. And just yeah. and just the, the the pain cycle you've been stuck in it with yeah yeah, yeah. I'm just, especially when you're talking about load capacity yeah. on it yeah it doesn't change anything but just having that in the back of your head that you're not making something worse or because the mm-hmm. thing that I've been really worried about is like all right did I tear something is there something in there that needs to be addressed that I'm right. gonna make worse and then I'm gonna have right. to go through that whole like post op scenario again mm-hmm. that was god awful I yeah. don't wish that on anybody and no. I didn't want to have to go through that again. And I'm still going to have to go through it to a certain degree, but mm-hmm. at the end of the day, it's not going to be quite as bad as it was before. And I just didn't want to get to that point. So yeah. it's nice to have that in the back of my yeah. head. Good. Cool. That is a wrap of the back pedal. <laughs> hey, guess what, guys? We got another Patreon. Oh, yes. <laughs> I thought well, whenever he starts with that, it's always the hot seat. And I was like, wait a minute, we're going to the hot seat today. Yeah. This is a real hot seat. <laughs> no. Oh, preparation. we've got another Patreon that jumped on board. Mr. Mark Radford. Big oh, friend awesome. of the show. Mark is a great Mr. guy. Mr. Radford. Thank yes. you, Mark. Nice. Mr. Radford's yes. been a supporter of the show basically since the almost the start, right? He gave us Christmas gifts. Yeah. I, yeah, I this has been like a, a long-time time. supporter. I love our, our little bike thong. I love that thing. I still, mine's <laughs> on my bike. It's, I it's just wear it as a thong. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. <laughs> Matt, wait, is it actually called the bike thong? <laughs> I, but that's what I call it. it I still have like mine, but I don't have the packaging, so I need to know if it's... <laughs> no, that's not what the name yes, of the Yes, Evan, that's what they call it. I was I was wondering first. I was like, wow, that's an awesome name for that thing if that's it. So big thank you to Mark. Thank you, Mark. Anybody is interested in um, becoming a Patreon, there's a couple different ways. You can go to our Facebook page. We've got a post on there that you mm-hmm. can dig and find. If you go to dowpodcast.com now, it's on the homepage there. There's yeah. a, a cl- link that you can click on there and go straight through. Or you can just go to patreon.com and do uh, the search bar and just type in Dial Podcast and we'll pop up there as well. And then there's a full tier of things that you can choose from and any uh, any help would be fantastic. So thank you to everybody who has jumped on board. Awesome. Thank, Thank you, you, everyone. Yeah. Cool. Um, lead out news. We've got, uh, is the, the generic uh, champ kind here? Champ Bailey? Champ here. Bailey, a character of my own fruition. <laughs> Store brand. <laughs> <laughs> we do have some lead out news. Um, bike racing is still a giant question mark at this time. Yeah. Uh, most race promoters don't know what to do. They're trying to reschedule or postpone races we don't know if those postponed dates are actually going to work or not uh tour de france threw their hat in the ring and they have not canceled the race they postponed it with new dates august 29th through september 20th i believe something like that yeah i think think it was august 31st to september 21st wasn't it Uh, august 29th 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 Uh, september 20th What's interesting is that they, you know, they throw that date in there, and then all the other world tour races, like the biggest races in the yeah, world, like the have to react Giro. and resettle. Yes. And it's like each in the yep. in the world championships too. It's like that one is one that falls. Uh, I feel like right in October, they're going to keep their dates the same, but all the other, yeah. you know, Grand Tours have to react and kind of shift around. So, so everything's getting shifted back. Yeah. So from from what I've heard, the Vuelta and the Giro may be reduced to week long races. Which would be, hey, I'll tell you what, if the Giro becomes a one-week race, that would be the most exciting Giro ever. Yeah. that I love the Giro more than any race because it is a – it doesn't have the political tactics that the Tour de France has. There's not a lot of careful mind games going on. The Giro is just go out there. You don't really know who's in awesome shape yet, and guys just kill it from the start. So it may make for exciting Grand Tour racing, but here's the thing is cycling can't – 
from from what I'm reading, and I know we're all kind of reading the same stuff, but I tried to look into this as much as I could because, you know, I had time this weekend on the trainer. So <laughs> I really wanted to look into, can cycling survive a season without the Tour de France? And the overwhelming answer is no, because the sponsors will leave. For example, yeah, sponsors. Quick yeah. Step is threatening to leave the <laughs> Quick Step wow. is threatening to leave Quick Step. So, but that's that sponsor has been with that Belgian team for I I, well, I would honestly have to look back. I think it's been the '90s. I think I think it was like yeah, in the mid '90s. And they may pull their sponsorship. They have th- they have there are rumors and they've threatened to pull the sponsorship. Well, all those companies have to be. Everybody's in trouble right now. Yes, everybody's in trouble. So the tour is where pro cycling makes its money. Everything right. else is glam at that point. I mean, that's that like, like there's a lot of history, and I love professional cycling more than any sport in the world, but. The Tour de France is the money maker for pro cycling. Right. Period. Like, so if that sentence. doesn't happen, or if it's pro cycling's done, if that doesn't happen, well, as I, in its current form, it's you know, done. Currently, I think this is all a bit of wishful thinking. We, I, I certainly hope that racing comes back by July, yeah, and that we do have some races that happen. But, but we don't know. It, yeah, we might not be through it all. We might not be. We might not be able to race the way we think we want to race it. We may be able to, you know, open the economy back up and be able to mm-hmm. get out, but we still not may be able to congregate in crowds. And right. a bike race is a moving crowd. And so yep. all, all this stuff that is rescheduled for late summer and the fall, it still might not happen. And it's hard to control a bike race crowd because it's one thing if the NFL says, okay, only the players are allowed in the stadium. Right. A, tr- a typical Tour de France stage goes 110 miles. You can't have security for 110 no, miles saying people will gather. crowds don't gather. People will gather. And I mean, maybe, God, maybe on the big climbs, you obviously don't allow as much congestion as there usually is on the climbs like Alpe d'Huez. Right. You know, I mean, famously, like Dutch Corner has, you know, right. people 100 rows back basically crowded onto that climb. But so yeah. Who knows? That's exactly. So yeah. yes, we have new dates, but I'm not taking a whole lot of stock in them. Yeah, I would. Point. the The only reason I'd say, I think the tour is gonna. I'm. I'll play the slightly. Well, I, I won't even call this the optimistic because I think it'll be for political reasons why this has to happen. There is going to be so much pressure on the ASO to put that race on that. I think it's going to happen, and I think it's going to have a lot of world political backlash if it does. It, well, I think it will. What about the NBA finals? What about <laughs> no the idea. NHL? What about the football? No crowd, what about no crowd games? The March Madness happen. just got canceled. What about, I mean, yeah. on the grand scale of things, the Tour de France, big friggin' deal. To me, it's a big friggin' deal. <laughs> well, I'm just, I'm just, I know. I'm I know saying. what you're talking about, like the Super Bowl being canceled. And people are like, but what about the Tour de France? Right. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> or if the World Cup, you know, I know it's not this year, yeah. but if, you know. <laughs> Um, if, if Champions League is canceled and the Tour de France <laughs> right. happens, soccer fans are going to kill cycling yes. fans. Yes. In other news, Evan is not the only person sick of being on the trainer. Um, are you about to talk about Sagan? Yes, Peter Sagan. I got an came opinion out. on this. I've got a really strong <laughs> opinion on this. Peter Peter Sagan came out and said, "I'm a real writer, not a virtual one. Yeah. If this is going to be the future, I don't think so." That's what he said. He's just sick of writing. Uh, uh, virtually or on the trainer or on rollers outside outside of about one watt per kilogram the difference between me and peter sagan here is that man this is your job so it doesn't really matter if you don't want to do it peter (laughs) these guys are sounding like massive prima donnas 
I saw a post from Rohan Dennis. Yeah. If you saw, I saw that this morning. I understand the frustration, but these cyclists, if your team says, hey, guys, uh, our sponsor's threatening to leave us, we have an esports race and uh, we need our marketing, you know, on point here. Go ahead and get yourself in shape because that's your job because you ride bicycles for right. a living. And you sit there and have the audacity to say, with everything else going on in the world right now, saying, no, 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 I'm a real cyclist. (laughs) Neat, buddy. Okay, cool. Could you imagine if anybody's boss right now of people in this country who are getting laid off was like, hey, guys, we got to adjust gears and we're going to work online, but I'm going to bring you all back. Could you imagine anybody who would go, no. I only work in person. That's it. That's if it's not in the office, I'm not doing it. I, I bring this up because all the pros are struggling and freaking out, just like the rest of the world. Because yeah. everybody's struggling and freaking out right it, now. So very understandably, yeah, we get it. But I just don't like. I you know, I look at a lot of those guys on Ineos that did that Zwift race, sure. which I was you know I thought was cool. And, and to Rohan Dennis's, I know I said he's made some comments on Instagram that were very debated. But um, the the guy went out there and raced really well. He's clearly in great shape. Yeah. Um, Egon Bernal even went out there and raced it at altitude. Good for him because this is the part that Zwift doesn't take into account is the he's, fact that Egon Bernal is at altitude. At altitude. <laughs> yeah, he's at altitude. Exactly. But you know, you look at a guy like Cam Wharf going out there in the best shape he can and gives us all out. Ineos uses that as marking material. It has tens of thousands of views on Zwift's YouTube. That is, if you're a professional cyclist now. That's the environment you live in. Right. And if your team says, this is the environment you're going to live in, and you say, no, I'm above that, that speaks exactly to who you are as a person yes. right now. Because that's, that's that's not being there for the team. That really is not. Yeah. So, But when has Sagan cared about what Anything he said? Anything himself, yeah. <laughs> well, never. no, I'm not saying that. <laughs> I'm saying he's so good, it yeah. he can do what he wants. He can. <laughs> but, so is, but so is Rohan Dennis, and he goes out there and holds 6.4 virtual watts per kilo yeah, going but, up that climb. But Sagan didn't throw a fit and pull himself out of the tour like Rohan Dennis did. Yeah, that's very true. Actually, I really should not be defending Rohan there. Yeah. <laughs> he did. For, that's we don't, we don't know point. what yeah. the reason was. He would just like threw a fit, and we Decide all suspect it was because yes. he really didn't like the bike he was yeah. supposed to be riding. And, but, and on the road, P- Peter Sagan is – I mean – Peter Sagan could go out there and lose every virtual race there. It doesn't matter. Peter Sagan jumps on the road, and he's the fastest cyclist in the – he may be towards the back end of his being guaranteed the fastest guy on two wheels in the world. But he's, so, he's over the last decade I haven't watched close. any of these races. How are the pros communicating with each other? Are they using Discord? or not, I, You don't look at me. I haven't watched a single they, one either. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So I've been watching way too many of these. Yeah, they, they – so – these indoor teams have actually been around for a couple of years now, and sure. now these pro cycling teams are forming their own teams. Yeah, and I'm not. I know that those indoor teams will have like a quote unquote director sportif that's just sitting there telling them what's coming up, who's up the road, um, stuff that you know they so that they don't have to be trying to look at the data uh, during that time. And at least from what I saw in the Ineos one too, I think that they were communicating back and forth. Um, they may be using Discord. I'm, I'm not positive, but. Like uh, Lionel Sanders, I know, is on the Canyon CZ team, and he's always got his little – he's always talking during the races to somebody. Yeah. For Sagan, like if he were to get on and do one of these races, yeah, he would do fine. I, yeah. would, I would actually pay to listen to what he's saying I would to pay, other people absolutely. on Discord. Could you imagine, I would love like, the to funny see Peter Sagan would jump into one of these races. Man, he could – uh, he It'd be, be hilarious. Even, he could be even more loved if he would embrace yeah. that. And, and let I know people, he hates yeah. indoor riding because he, he is a yeah. – he's beyond a real cyclist. He's the best. Yeah. But – 
I mean, come on, man. Like it, like we I are begging totally for sporting yeah. stuff right now. Like we are begging for it. Do you think the NASCAR guys like sitting there racing virtually either? Probably not. No. But yeah, yeah they're they're doing it because there's because this is a situation we're in. I this needs to be a new segment on the show. Is is we bring up a topic and Lance and Evan, Evan argue about it. We argue about it. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think at the end of the day we probably good. agree on this one. Probably now. no, yeah. we don't. You're really? an idiot. <laughs> I thought for sure on this one. I was like, I bet Lance will actually side with me on this. That like. We've been in this situation now for a couple of weeks. By the end of this, Lance is going to be like talking about power ups on Zwift and like strategy. He's going to completely shift. But uh, well, Sagan is Sagan. I don't disagree with Lance, but I don't think that he should be taking the uh, the stance that he's, he's bigger just, than the team and he's bigger than the sport. I yeah. mean, he should like what's what's good for the goose is good for the gander. Yeah. He's got to he's got to have that mindset. I like, mean, there was like a virtual tour of Flanders a little bit ago. I'm sure Greg Van Avermaet in some of the best fitness of his right. life was probably like, yeah, this isn't ideal. No, but, but I might as well, well go out here and race. Yeah. Did you see when he won that race? You you see his celebration? No, I missed it. He just like got off the bike and <laughs> picked up his bottle and <laughs> took a drink. And his daughter walked into the shot and he was like, "Eh." That was basically Rohan. Den- <laughs> Rohan Dennis was like in his garage when he won the Alp to Swift climb, and he just got off the bike. He's like, "All right, yep, <laughs> exactly." All right, you got any other news? Champ Bailey out. Out. <laughs> All right. Um, <clears throat> Not a segment, not quite the topic yet, but we did have a listener question that came up on our last uh, Facebook post, and that was from Nathan uh, Skenke. He is a listener. He's been on the podcast before, too, when we did a listener hot lap with yes, him. Yes, so, he has. Yeah, we did. A um, hot lapper. Yeah, we did our, our nutrition episode last week, and then he had a question. He's like, all right, you guys covered pre and post nutrition, but what are you using for nutrition on the bike? Um, he's, I guess, been strictly a goo guy, but wants to switch it up, so... Wanted to toss this out there to you guys to see kind of what you generally use. Matt, what do you usually use? I know I've ridden with you. I actually, of yeah. everybody here, I don't know what Matt eats. Well, uh, I do a variety of different things. Sometimes I will literally throw a breakfast burrito together and put it in the back of the nice. jersey. Jake and Lance know that. Yep. Yep. I make I make burritos for everyone. Sometimes <laughs> I force feed them on people. <laughs> You're going to bike faster on the second half of this. You just force feed them a little breakfast burrito. And then you break uh, away as soon as they're eating. Yeah, that, that's like, you know, if you're going out for a long ride. Um, race-wise, I actually like Science and Sport, which is uh, a goo-type product um, that they have. Uh, it's, like they, a, it's like a runny gel. Yes. It's like, yeah. yeah. It's And that's why I actually like it is because you're getting the same number of calories from a gel – uh, but it's basically twice the size, which means they have a lot of opportunity to just make it more liquidy. So you don't feel, you know, when you take a gel, the next thing you do is like grab your water bottle, drink some water to wash that thing down. Yeah. You don't feel that need to wash it down with that particular product. And I think it's fine. I think it tastes solid enough. I mean, the, having it be a little bit taller doesn't bother me carrying it, you know, along the ways. Yeah. And so I use that in races. You haven't um, had it like fall out of your pockets or anything like that, Matt? Yeah, no, they're fine. Um, yeah, and Matt, I think it's. I tell you, you know what I like about the science and sports stuff is, um, yep. I I like goos and I like science and sport as well. Yeah. But the, the goos always make my hands sticky. Yep. Oh, I hate that. Right. Yeah. Oh, I hate that. Because yeah. you get it on your gloves or you get it on your face. It's everywhere. You, you yep. get it. Yeah. It makes you sticky. I just lick my fingers until they feel not sticky. Right. It's but like but your tongue is covered in <laughs> goose sugar anyway so yeah. it's anyway <laughs> the science of sport no stickiness you don't you don't get any that's stickiness. a good selling point so it's it's actually easier to to take in and you don't get sticky but 
Matt, <laughs> they're also Matt, they're like Matt. three bucks a packet, so they're not cheap. Wow. So yeah. Matt, you should you should make a YouTube video for them and just be like, don't get sticky. <laughs> 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 Sounds like a sketchy video. Uh, I, I just think, um, Definitely, like, if your bike is sticky and gross, like, I yeah. just, I don't know. I think after race, bikes are just sometimes really gross, especially from a triathlon perspective. Oh, they're disgusting, uh, yeah. Yeah, so the science and sports stuff is good. Um, Lance, they always have deals. Don't ever buy it when you're not, you know, on some sort of special. Basically, That's good to know. Four, at least four times a year, they're, like, free, you know, pack of sample goos. All you have to do is just pay for shipping. Like, they're always doing some sort of deal. So just wait for it. Okay. Huh. Uh give it a try gotcha but i also i actually do solid food for ironman distance races uh and i will do things like a peanut butter and jelly sandwich with the crust cut off and i smush them down so they're really dense um have you actually done that in 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 races matt you've you've done the the pb and j yeah oh nice okay um whenever i'm specifically training for an ironman race i'll do whatever i'm doing nutrition wise for that ironman race in a half before and so i'll test the test the plan <clears throat> nutrition wise and so i'll do that um and like i said burritos are legit like i actually think that that's like a little power pack uh that you can eat and they pack well and you can probably do it like i think we did that for jake we did that for um uh for the seattle to portland which I, it's not necessarily a race event but yeah. it's definitely something we took serious and we didn't want to like stop at mcdonald's wait in the drive-in line or whatever we wanted yeah. to just have something in the, in the pockets and eat it and go yeah so i think we burritos yep so yeah i kind of always joked for all my training and for my actual stp i, I ran on 50 miles yeah 50 miles per burrito so <laughs> that's a pretty good ratio right there yeah. one burrito 50 and my miles. buddy jp has that shirt that says 50 miles per burrito it's fantastic shirt we gotta, yeah <laughs> there you go buy that for everyone. gotta get one of those oh i will <laughs> definitely take one of those I've yeah. actually been doing breakfast burritos just in general, Matt. Cassie and I are making them and then freezing them for the week. Okay, so I could just make a bunch of extras and just eat them on the bike. I mean, I love them. They're delicious. Yeah. Yep. You'll be surprised. Like, they fit in jersey pockets and they're yeah. powered, like, a lot of calories. They're really good. I just like having something. So I think this is where I notice a lot of pro athletes go straight, like, sugar, straight goose, straight liquid, pretty much. And I can't make myself do it for a full Ironman distance. I can do it for a half. And I've noticed that having something solid and real in my stomach just feels so much better. And it's mostly a feeling thing. Like, that much sugar, you don't want to get that stomach, like, gut bust kind of feel. Uh, and so having something real, I feel like that's a smart idea. But I also noticed that the fastest people in the sport are not doing that. And so for you, Evan, it's definitely something that you should experiment with. Yeah. Um, see what might work well for I've, you. I've really gone away from a lot of – I mean, I, I still will use Huma gels. Huma gels are the ones I like the best because I feel like of all the gel types, they're the the least pure sugary taste feel. Uh, they're supposed to be lower glycemic index. I'm not sure if they actually are or not. They still have pretty high sugar content. Uh, but they're the chia-based ones. Have you guys seen Huma? Does anybody else here write Huma? No. No. I don't. Okay. They're they're, they're like a chia-based gel, basically. Right. Um, I, I like them in the past. When I race, Matt, I'll, especially at the 73 distance or below, I, I'll, I'll always use them because – I'm just always fearful of gut stuff on the run. Uh, yeah. Iron Man will be different. Uh, you, you know, obviously, um, I've gone with pretzels on longer rides, smash up into a bag, and I just keep okay. them in my back pocket. But something I'm going to consider going to once it gets hot and we start burning higher calories out on the rides um, is I'm going to do baked potatoes and tinfoil in the back pocket. 
not like a hot like like I'm not gonna take it. I'm not gonna take it. <laughs> Lance is looking at me like I'm an idiot. I'm not gonna like take the baked potato out of the oven and be like into the tin foil. Here we go <laughs> in the back pocket. But uh, I've I've had some friends who just use potatoes. They just have yeah. like they take them out of the fridge. They're a little chilly, and you can roll down the um, uh, the tin foil and just eat it like a you know just. Like a like a hot dog. You could probably, <laughs> probably do it. Yeah, you could yeah. probably even do it without the tin foil. Just straight probably. up baked potato in your back pocket. Or just mashed potatoes in my back pocket, and then just take a handful, and then just you know just eat it that way. Who maybe is maybe this put guy? some turkey. Maybe put some turkey or you know like uh, green bean casserole back there too, and just have a have a Thanksgiving meal in my back pocket. <laughs> starch. You need those simple starches. I don't think it'll upset your stomach on the run. No. That's actually I used to eat a baked potato before high school cross country like. Lunch really? was baked potato, and my stomach was not upset for, you know, yeah. practice. Very easy. So I think it's a good option. Yeah, back in the 80s. They're, hey, you know <laughs> what? The 70s. They <laughs> knew what they were doing. Like, there are still some running records I'd hold from that era, so I think I think they knew what they were doing. <laughs> Crazy. Oh. Yeah. This I, is. <laughs> I think a lot of it really depends on, like, the amount of time that you're on the bike. I mean, if I'm doing anything inside of two hours, I'm generally not bringing too much to eat. Um, yeah. It, yeah, same. Yeah, it's I'll, – well, I'll throw some What juice. about if you're doing a super – do you ever eat during super hard efforts? So let's say that you know that you're going on, like, we're doing a climb up Sky Road and, you know, we're going all out. You going to bring anything? Um, yeah, I'll bring scratch shoes. If it's going gotcha. to – if the ride okay. time's going to be inside of two hours, I've found that those work well for me. They're, they don't make a mess. Um, I, I will even use those on races as well because I think that they're very easy to ingest and throw it in your mouth. Now, I will take them out of their bag. I'll put them in a Ziploc bag and leave that Ziploc bag open so it's easily accessible when I'm reaching back in my jersey That's pocket. That's the hardest thing with scratch shoes yeah. is when you're when – you're, in mid-effort, it sometimes it's difficult to open the package and not just spill them on the road. Yeah, I take them out of the bag and put them in a Ziploc baggie. It, it just doesn't work. I mean, when I will do a ride with a team and we're just going out, we're doing like a training ride, I won't do that. I'll leave them in the bag. But before I start the ride, I open the bag and make sure that that's easily accessible so that I can just kind of reach my that's hands. smart. Or pull it out and just like shake a few in your mouth and throw it back in your pocket so that you're good to go. The, opening those bags is a pain in the butt. Yeah. So, um other things like gosh race time though like you guys gels those work really yeah. well um that's an easy way to make sure that you're getting maybe a little bit of caffeine too if that's something that you do yeah. um I, I burritos man i'm telling you like i i didn't eat it with when we went on a ride yesterday but i threw it back there just in case yeah, like, yeah, just in case pocket. yeah just in case i go a little bit longer or whatnot because i didn't really eat much for breakfast i'm like this is just going to be my like fail safe in case something goes sideways at least i can pull over and eat a burrito didn't need it obviously but i did yeah. uh, have some my scratch chews um I like taking bananas with me from time to time. If it's yeah. uh, like it's a team or a training ride, um, those are really simple because inevitably you're going to stop and you're going to regroup. It's easy to toss a banana down real quick and it's quick 100, 110, 120 calories and some potassium and whatnot, and some simple carbs. Yeah, what's an average banana's calorie? Is, is About it usually, 110. Oh, yeah. I always thought I thought it was more for some reason. I guess yeah. that does, yeah. To it's, me, a banana is too much chewing. I know it's that strange. No, it's very palatable. I mean, you can like just really? smash it and swallow it. You don't have to chew it. There's, you don't have to break I'm it down. I'm eating a banana wrong then. I don't know. Maybe There's a I'm lot just... more chewing with a baked potato than there's a banana. <laughs> here, let me tell you. Not, not mashed potatoes, though. It's <laughs> getting scoop out what, of bed. Have, you guys, have any of you guys tried the Martin gels? Oh, I was about to talk about those, Matt. Yeah, those the, the Martin gels became popular um, with Elliot Kipchoge's uh, yep. sub-two-hour uh, event. I've been wanting to try them, and I, I just, I mean, I actually think that they're kind of hard to get a hold of. But. I've, I've tried them. Um, I've, I've used them off and on for the last year or so. They're, they're a thick gel. It's like okay. almost, it's almost like jelly. It's like a, 
So so they're thicker than just regular they say gels. You don't need water. That's with correct. It. Is that right? Like, yeah. have you had that? Yeah, experience? you don't need water with them. Okay. Uh, but uh, again, they're very expensive. <laughs> so yeah. I'd buy a whole bunch of uh, Martin gels, and I would like only save them for race day. Yep. Yeah. Totally. I I wouldn't I wouldn't train with them. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. What are some other things that you guys will take with you on the ride food-wise? Like, I, I'm a big subscriber to Whole Food. Again, can't take that on a race. But for all the training, which is the, the vast majority of everything that we're doing, what are some other food things that you're taking with you that will uh, substitute that of a gel? Does, uh, I, I usually go with a pescatarian diet, and I'll take Swedish fish with me. Um, <laughs> That's not a Whole Food. That is so, not what he so asked. Ma- so, mash, so mashed potatoes, <laughs> fish from Sweden. <laughs> Mash a dollop of mashed potatoes in your back. Just, just, just like the diet podcast, I am purely here for comic relief in this conversation. That gravy in a sports uh, ball. <laughs> a cycling cap makes for a great plate or bowl while you're riding. Um, I don't ever use Whole Foods on the bike. Really? No. Really? I just never really? have. You go on yeah. long, consistent rides, so you could like be eating your lunch out there. I, I just don't. I, I yeah. um. My on training rides, I always have some kind of solid food with me. Um, cliff box blocks or cliff bars. Cl- cliff made cliff this bars, yeah. this one product that was like I can't remember what it's called. But shot blocks? Not shot blocks. They made they made another product where it was like two things together, and it was it was much softer than their cliff bars. But they've discontinued him, so I'm going to quit talking about him. <laughs> but, like, but when I heard they were discontinuing him, I bought like four cases of them because. Oh no, you're almost be- out then, huh? Yeah, because I like them a lot. But I'd use those on. I use solid food on training rides. I never take solid food racing ever. I don't either. It's really. always gels or choose, the yeah. the science and sport okay. um, packets. I really like the science and sport packets. They just go yeah. down easy. So I, everybody who uses science and sport, I've heard nothing and but I, good things from. And I, so. I, you don't get a you don't get a big buzz from them. You don't drop real low. You just get this even energy from them. That's what I like about them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. Whereas yeah. Swedish fish, you'll oh, big you, bump. you'll you'll bump and <laughs> oh, crash. Trust me, I was smashing <laughs> some Swedish fish on the way up Baptist Swift over the weekend. That was I think I had three packets during that time trial. So, oh. <laughs> but it, they they were the mini ones or the Easter ones. Have you guys seen that? Yeah. There's not nearly enough of oh, I'm, I'm a gummy aficionado i'm fully oh, yeah, aware yeah, yeah. of <laughs> the, the, the fish. little eggs ones yeah, which yeah. to me is like yeah. is that a fish egg or is this just an egg egg <laughs> they weren't they weren't clear <laughs> all right anything else to add to this guys yep all right so hope that helped out a little bit nathan um if anybody has anything interesting that they use on their rides let us know yeah post it up on yeah. one of these things so um we should really get like i i want to hear from people who really eat like real like food food on their longer rides because i've heard some stories of past people just bringing like a turkey sandwich with them i had a crazy story once of a guy who tin foiled like a big turkey leg oh, and brought it with him on rides but it's good we had some weird people in the midwest man i don't know <laughs> i love ohio but yeah, uh, it's, yeah back in the 80s back in the 80s they used well there's i know there's old um uh videos of lance armstrong you should just carry around the old uh uh the the old Cokes, you know, like the the original Cokes, just yep. put them in his back pocket at gas station stops yeah. and go on his rides in there Texas. Yeah. 
Oh, there's uh, energy bars that I used to make too. I haven't made those in a while, but those are another thing that I would make that were a whole make a homemade one. Yeah, those were really tasty, but that's a whole nice. other topic thing. All right, let's jump into our topic for today. Another listener suggested topic, and it's going to be pretty much all things bike maintenance. Um, people have been wanting to know a little bit more about that, and I think in this day and age, kind of what we're dealing with right now. A lot of people have been jumping on the bikes, like I mentioned earlier in the podcast. A lot of families are out there riding, and I think a lot of people just, you know, probably haven't touched their bike in two, three, four years. Who knows? It's been that that garage ornament up there with a bunch of dust on it. They bring (laughs) it down, they dust it off a little bit, throw a little bit of air in the tires, and then they go out and ride, um, not thinking about the fact that it might need a little bit of bike maintenance. And then you have that person all the way to the people like Lance over here 24 hours a week on his bike and having to do maintenance that – you know, people would normally do like once a month. He's doing it like once a week because he I'm rides doing so it much. Every week, yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, we even stopped on your ride yesterday just to place. do a couple little tweaks and whatnot, just because it, those are the little things. I mean, these are machines and and you know they're mechanical in nature and they have to be maintained. And you know, it's just a, it's a never-ending process. So, let's jump into bike maintenance. Um, I'm kind of curious, how often do you guys maintain your own personal bicycles? I'm looking at you, Evan Price. (laughs) 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 Um, Okay, so on a weekly basis, I will always uh, uh, lube the chain. That is... Congratulations. Yes. So after lubing that chain, I will then wipe it off. And as there has been some salt growing on the bike, I'm not sure where that's coming from, but I have... Started to just take like the wipes now, and I'm like wiping down the frame a little bit more consistently. Uh, when I used to work in a bike shop, though, I would bring my bike in once a week and just clean the heck out of it because riding in Ohio, there was always massive rainstorms, so there was always needs for parts to get re-greased and all that good stuff. So, yeah. yeah. How about you, Lance? Um, I I. I maintain my own bike. I am a YouTube aficionado. Almost all of my bike maintenance skills, other Mm -hmm. than just sitting back and watching Jake work on my own bike. That's usually my Um, favorite. I'm always, (laughs) I'm always on YouTube, either looking up how to do something right or do something better or yeah. So that's, that's where I've learned most of my maintenance skills. And I don't have that many skills, but when you ride as much as I do, you eventually learn some things. Gotcha. I, 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 there's things I do before every ride. There's things I do after every ride. And then there's things I do weekly and things I do monthly and things I do every thousand miles. Hold that thought. We're going to get into that just a minute. How about you, Matt? How often are you working on your bikes? So I'm probably more on the lines of Evan where I don't keep a strict schedule of anything. Uh, I'd say a lot of it depends on like weather conditions. I think if you're riding in uh, rainy and grimy conditions that you tend to need to um, maintain your bike a little bit more frequently, uh, more cleaning and things like that. More more frequently, you might want to check the chain wear uh, with like a chain checker tool, things like that. Uh, when the weather's great, like it kind of, I mean, I rode on Saturday, which was kind of gross, but then like the rest of the week, it's been really nice. I don't feel as if I need to um, work on maintenance as often. That being said, there was, uh, I did have a loose cassette this week, which was very odd. I've never had a, a loose rear cassette. Mm-hmm. I was getting this rattling noise in the back of my uh, bike, and I couldn't figure out what it was. And I finally like picked up the bike, and I was like, it's the rear cassette. That's crazy. I've never had that happen before ever. Yeah. But the whole time when it was rattling, I was like, I gotta. I guess I'm going to have to go see Jake. I don't know if we're going to wear masks <laughs> or something. Like, I don't know what else to do except for be like, I got to see Jake. 
that's just leave it on your curb. I'll come pick it up. <laughs> I don't know. I've actually but, done that uh, a few times, but yeah, I would be thinking like, like those mysterious rattles. Panic, yeah. Yeah. Lance actually um, had the same issue. I, and it was funny. We were riding together and I was, um, behind him, like in his bike makes any little noise. I'm like, all right, what is that? And I'm trying to like diagnose yeah. it and come up and I'm listening and looking and Lance, I think you might need to tighten your cassette. Is that what it was? It was, it was, yeah. it needed like a revolution. Yeah. A full revolution to tighten up. Oh, wow. Yeah. That is pretty loose. Yeah. So mine was at least that loose. Maybe it was like, I was surprised. I thought, I was thinking like maybe the spoke had given out or something because it had that sort of certain rattle to it. Yeah. But I was glad that that wasn't anything big. And yeah. I'm glad I didn't have to bug Jake because I hate bothering Jake. <laughs> no. Uh, don't ever feel that way. I, I think it's interesting that the majority of cyclists, if you've been cycling for a while, they do tend to do a lot of their own maintenance on their bike, which is fantastic. Uh, I love that. Which I think is great. I, I think it's one of those things where if you are on the other side of the coin and you're like, nope, I just like to take my bike and, and you know, take it to the shop, drop it off and be like, I need a tune up, which is going to include all the chain stuff, all that stuff. I, I would encourage you to consider diving onto the YouTube, diving onto wherever and doing a little bit of maintenance stuff yourself. And that could be yeah. like, you know, at least bike lubricant, bike, you know, cleaning your bike, things like that. Uh, at the minimum, you should definitely be able to change a tire. Yep. Um, I taught Ethan this week how to, Ethan's my nine year old, he's almost 10. Uh, I taught him how to change a tire just because I was like, that's awesome. You need to change your tire. We finally got the tube that we needed uh, and, and let's do this. And so I don't know that I would be 100% confident with him doing it, but at least he has an idea of how he's supposed <laughs> yeah, to do repetition. it. repetition. And yeah, just, yeah, yeah. It just takes, yeah. and that's and that's the other thing is I think at least knowing what you can repair yourself and what you need either right. a part for or, you know, either a part for or have somebody else do if it's well outside your skill range. Because a lot yeah. of these issues, like Matt mentioned his cassette tightening, that requires a tool. Um, if you need to take the bottom bracket off for any reason, that's going to require a tool. And just knowing what you can mess around with and what, you know, would be tougher to mess around with. Yeah. In the age of YouTube, yeah. that's easy to figure out. But And if yeah. you get into yeah. trouble, you can't, I mean, which I don't, it hasn't happened to me that frequently, but it has happened to me. Like, yeah, the mechanic at the bike shop may laugh at you. Like, you look at, look at this. I tried to fix it. At least, I, I don't know. They might laugh at you. They might not. But like, I'd say, you know, it's worth at least Googling around and trying to consider fixing it yourself. Yeah. Especially if you're uh, a person that likes to ride by themselves often and if you get you know 10 15 20 30 miles away from your house something goes sideways and just having some of those basic skills sometimes you're able to problem solve and get yourself back home back home uh there's been more than once where i was 30 miles away from home and something happened in my bike i could not figure out how to fix it and i sat on the side of the road watching <laughs> youtube oh geez nice <laughs> figuring out how to solve the issue was able to solve it after watching youtube <laughs> finding some yeah. video and yeah. i made it home i'm like oh all right that's how you fix this yeah that's crazy yeah that's i i will admit now that we've gone to disc brakes for for everything there there's a lot of maintenance with the disc brakes i need to start that probably needs to be a goal of mine in 2020 is to get a little bit better with the adjustments on the disc brakes because that's that's something i still have not quite fine-tuned on myself i was it's, so great at rim brakes for years and years and fine with it and i could take the cables out replace the cables easily and all that but yeah this this new era of it doesn't brakes. it doesn't matter how good you are with disc brakes they always they're take always some adjustments i just assume they're always rubbing yeah. so well, i i just figure that's our built-in excuse so if you ever get dropped on a ride you just be like okay disc there, brakes are rubbing. there are some disc brake system, systems that um 
that seem to install easier and cleaner mm -hmm. without much rubbing. The the latest SRAM Axis system is super easy to install. Yeah. But some other ones, they they, they take some fine tuning. Yeah, yeah, it's tricky. That's what Jake and I actually stopped because I was having some front brake rub. Yeah. And, you know, we're 40 miles into the ride yeah. or something, and we finally stopped, and we had to just, loosen the whole brake yeah. caliper and get it right, and, and it solved it. But yep. it takes some, it takes some doing to get yeah brake disc brakes right. Yeah. Well, you don't want those rubbing. Like, here's my pro tip: your bike should never be making noise. Yeah. It it you should yeah. hear an ever so faint noise of a chain going around a cassette and a chain ring, and that's it. Yeah. And even that should be pretty quiet. And if that's making a, a lot of noise or it's making like a little squeaky noise whenever you're pedaling, it's your bike telling you, hey, something's up. You gotta you gotta pay attention to me, fix me over here. So. Yeah. There's kind of like a process where you have to go through and, and um, you know make sure that your bike is taken care of. And a lot of people just don't know these things, or they'll they'll take their bike in to get serviced like once a year or once every couple of years, depending upon how often they ride. But there's some basic basic things that you should be doing before all of your rides. And and really, it's kind of like a safety thing too. So here, my my next question is, what are the things that you guys personally do before every single ride? Um, I check tire pressure. Ding. I yep. check, um, and now I've, now I've gotten to the point where I can t check tire pressure just by squeezing the tire with my fingers. Yes, I know what I'm Do looking you ping for. It? No, I don't ping because I like the ping. Yeah, yeah, I just I squeeze it and I kind of know if it's if it's. Was good that you, or not. Jake, who you, told me that the ping? No. <laughs> who, who who told me? I had a, then that must have been an old bike mechanic friend of mine who used to always just flick it. No, yeah. I'm I, I'm like Lens too. I've got built in like torque meters in my fingers yeah. <laughs> it's kind of weird but um you, you kind of get a sense for that like you if you do that enough if you pinch your tire before every single time you put air in it just to check and see where it's at you'll start to get a sense of like what 60 70 80 90 yep. psi feels like and more times than not you can probably get away from like maybe not having to put air in your tire every single time yeah but i i'm not a snob but i i'm very fickle when it comes to that kind of stuff so i check my tire pressure every single time even if i go out there and in you know, check it and like, oh, it feels like it is. I'll still check it unless I know that I'm going on a recovery ride and I know that I'm going slow and I don't care about performance or I might even want to go slower. I'm supposed to go slow that day. Yeah. And, and it feels like it might be like a pound or two under. I'll, that's about the only time that I'll let it go. Yeah. So I check uh, tire pressure every time I check my, uh, either quick release hubs or, or, uh, through axles. Gotcha. I check those every time because mm -hmm. I've gotten into trouble. Yep. <laughs> I should probably start checking the through axles more because this is my first through axle they road can, bike. So they can yeah. get uh, they can loosen up. They yep. can. It, okay. it actually happened to me at uh, at a cross race um, last Ooh, that's year. Bad. Yeah, I'm in the middle of the cross race, and my my rear cassette was just was was making terrible noise, and and the, it was the chain was skipping. It wouldn't hold the chain. I'm in the middle of a race, so obviously I didn't stop. Yeah. I didn't have a pit bike. I didn't have a decent pit bike. Just destroy that chain. Well, I, I couldn't tell what, what the deal was. It was, the cassette was fine. The wheel was fine. The through release was loose. Loose. Ooh. That's it. Ooh. It was like three revolutions loose. Ooh. Yeah. So if I had jumped to the bike, it, well, through release, is, it's not going to come out, but, yeah. or, you know, a through axle is not going to come out, but. Couldn't they? I mean, well, no, I guess that would take a rattle. lot of jostling yeah, but to get rattled. that thing shot out. Yeah. So that's the thing. I, I, I check tire pressure. I check quick release hubs. Um, 
I don't ride any rim brake bikes anymore. But before that, I was al- I'd always check uh, brakes. Mm-hmm. Yep. And yep. then I uh, I checked my uh, um, indexing. I checked that it. it's shifting okay. properly. Those are the four things I do. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. How about you, Evan? Uh, I check to make sure the trainer's on and <laughs> that I've chosen a good YouTube movie. And you have and your mashed potatoes on the table. And I have my table. mashed potatoes in my pocket. No, um, <laughs> when I go in outdoor rides, I'm, I'm kind of like Jake. I will always check tire pressure before. I know, wasn't it Robert was on here? And they were saying um, Robert like didn't check their tire pressure for multiple weeks at a time. Or so, I Something think like I, that, but they can think, get away with it. I think it was it. Robert, yeah. they're so... St- Stinking skinny and light. I, mean, I know. Yeah, yeah. they ride it like what? It's like forty psi. Forty yeah, psi. Just, I'm like, oh my God, I'd be sitting on the keep rim, rim, the rim rides at yeah, yeah. I'd like mountain bike pressure. But yeah. no, I'm I'm kind of with you. I like to sit at like like eighty to ninety on typical rides. So I I will always check that. Um, I do, if I'm ever stopped, uh, during group rides and you know the old like oh check my tires. I I always just ping my tires just to make sure. Yeah. Just because I don't trust my finger calipers like I do Jake, and I can hear a C note probably better than I can feel <laughs> in my in my fingers. But um, yeah, outside of that's tire pressure. I will check shifting. And yeah, it used to be rim brakes. I would obsess over making sure that the nothing was rubbing. Yeah. But that was about it. And I would always keep a little um, spoke wrench uh, in my pocket back when you know I felt more confident with rim brake adjustments. Now that I ride disc brakes. Yeah. I feel like if I was to touch any of those spokes, I would just throw it so far off it wouldn't even it <laughs> right. wouldn't, wouldn't even have a prayer staying straight. But yeah, those are those are the three: is is rubbing, uh, shifting, and then tire pressure. What about yeah. you, Matt? Uh, just like all of you guys, definitely check tire pressure. A lot of times when I go out riding, I kind of like rush out the door. Um, I'm either you know meeting Jake or something like that. We'll do our like, hey, I'm riding in five minutes thing. Uh, and so, um, kind of minimal as far as going over everything on the bike. Uh, but I will always check tire pressure with a, a, a squeeze. I don't always have to have my tire pressure perfect. Um, if I'm doing any sort of reasonable ride, I'll put fresh air. We call it, uh, we always joke around like about, oh, you don't have fresh air in your tires. Like we always pump your tires up, um, <laughs> to have fresh air in there. And that, that means uh-huh. you're going to be on a specific, you know, um, a specific amount of tire pressure, which is nice. Uh, and then, um, I, the one thing I do is I spin my wheels and take a look at the tires themselves. Uh, sometimes I actually just run my hand over it, which is probably a mistake. Cause if there was something in there, I'd probably cut my hand, but it just kind of give the tires a quick inspection. The other thing about spinning your wheel like that is you'll, you'll see how it's tracking within the brake pad. Um, and so most of the time I don't have to adjust my brakes, but sometimes I do. And again, I'm riding rim brakes, not disc brakes. So, uh, when I switch over to disc, that'll be a whole nother game to, to figure out. Uh, and then the one thing that I've been trying to do, and I would encourage everyone to do all of our listeners is just to take a, a once over, just really quickly look at your helmet and see if there's any cracks, uh, just cause we don't know what our kids have done to our helmets in the garage, but yeah. I imagine that they're using it as a soccer ball. So yes, all good information. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm pretty much in, in alignment with all of you guys. The only thing that I do, um, above and beyond just feeling it is I'll actually take a look at my tires just to make sure that there's yep. no slits or cracks. Um, I'm pretty pretty good about staying on top of that so i'm not generally looking for like weathering cracks i'm more so just looking for foreign objects objects that i may have picked up um or looking for cracks or not cracks but slits from things that i've hit in the road um that's the only problem i've ever had with tubeless tires is getting a a major slit and usually it's pretty catastrophic but um when we were on the team training camp i did have a slit that um 
that went through, but didn't actually like, like, um, compromise the tire until like two rides later. <laughs> like I was being, I, I just put a new tire on. I think I had to like buy one from, uh, from Lance and I ended up, um, like having that same tire because it just got slit that I put on there. I had that same tire get another slit in it. And I was like, Oh my God, these things are too expensive to have this already happening. And I'm just going to ride it until it goes bad or, and then I'll just put a tube in it. And sure enough, I had to, had to do yeah, that. So going bad. yeah, riding back from Oceanside had to pull over. Yeah, it kind of sucks. So I had to put another new tire on there. <laughs> Thankfully, uh, not thankful, but Lance had another one in his car that he gave me before he drove home to go see the doc. Yes. <laughs> but, um, there's, a. Uh, for me, it's not so much about checking before you leave on a ride, but probably more important for you to do the little things when you return from a ride so that your bike is ready. Like the the air pressure thing, that's that's a no-brainer. But for me, it's like whenever I get back from a ride, that's usually when it's fresh in my mind, like my bike was making this noise or that noise or it was behaving this way and I know I need to make that check. Um, I'll try and take care of it right then and there. And if I don't, I leave a little stack of sticky notes, little post-it notes on my um, workbench and I'll write down on that sticky note exactly what it is. And then I'll take that sticky note and put it up on my top tube so that I know before I go on my next ride, hey, Jackal, take care of these things before you yeah. go out there on your ride because you didn't have time to do it beforehand um, or after you finished your ride. But for instance, like this past weekend, I went on that gravel ride and it was raining out. Um, my gravel bike got covered in mud and grass and grime and all that other stuff. So mm -hmm. I just went ahead and took the time, um, leaned it up against the side of the house, sprayed it off with a hose, got everything out of there, brought it and, and bounced it a few times and, and got as much water as I could, brought it in back in the garage, got out the air compressor and I blew out all the, the, the bearings, um, all the contact points, um, the calipers, made sure that all that stuff was as dry as possible, including the cassette and the chain. And then I lubed it up and there was a, a, a couple little tweaks that I wanted to make to it based on how it was riding. And now when I go to ride that bike next time, it's golden. I just need to check tire pressure and go. So that's generally my recommendation to people is make the changes or do the things that you need to do to it after you are done riding. Because sometimes, like like Lance, what was the last time you rode your gravel bike? Uh, it's been a week. Okay. For you, that's a long time. Yeah. So for, like, the layperson, that's like a month of not touching a <laughs> yeah, bike. True. Yeah. You know, and if I didn't make those things, those changes to it. There's yeah, you good, forget. You forget. Like, ah, yeah. oh, crap. I'm out. Like, you're a couple pedals strokes in, and you got to go meet somebody, and you're supposed to be there. And I'm like, shoot, I forgot to service fill in the blank or change fill in the blank. Yeah. And, yeah, now it's done and it's ready to go and all you have to do is air it up and, and go ride with your fresh air right <laughs> fresh air <laughs> so that that's kind of my my two cents but um i think that people even if you're not mechanically inclined you still need to have a certain level of things that you know how to do on your bike um we've talked about the chain checker i think that that should be in every single person's uh tool chest or your tool bag or wherever it is that you keep your tools because that's where things can really start to go wrong and go sideways. Like it's going to be pretty much the thing that causes bad shifting. Um, the way that the, the pins start to land on the teeth of your chain ring and your cassette is going to cause them to get like this little crescent kind of a, like a dig in there and it's going to misshapen them. So you're going to basically end up destroying your cassette and your chain rings. Well, instead of spending anywhere from, we'll say 25 to 50 to 60 bucks on a chain, worst case scenario, if you're buying like the high end lightweight stuff, instead of just changing that out or not knowing that you needed to change it out, now you got to go buy a new cassette and you got to go buy new chain rings. If you're riding, we'll just say an Ultegra setup, that cassette's going to cost you anywhere from like 100 to 150 bucks, depending upon where you buy it. And if you get it on sale, your chain rings are going to be that much, if not more. 
and you're gonna have to pay by the the chain to boot so all you needed to do was have your chain checker go check yeah. to see how much stretch you have going on there and it tells you exactly where that's at and as soon as you get to that point where it's like all right time to change this thing out either take it down to a bike shop and have it done or learn how to do it to yourself it's not terribly difficult um so, chains are cheap compared to chain rings. yes yeah. so maintenance i mean the bike almost the entire bike i mean with exception on the frame i mean i'm sure there's probably an expiration point on it at some point in time but everything on the bike is a consumable good it's going to have to be changed at some point in time because you're going to wear it out some things are going to last for years and years and years and years and some things are going to have to be changed like every like month to three months depending upon how much you ride yeah so you know lance is going to go through probably two or three chains a year at least yeah that, i i have yeah. in my kit i have about six different chains because yeah. Because I have eight different bikes, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and yeah. stuff wears out, and so I've always got extra chains in yeah. case I need to. Those swap reminded it. me, I probably need to get a new chain like, yeah. here this month. I well, I, I get quite a few people that bring their bikes in, like, yeah, I need a new chain. I'm like, well, I'm, I'm thinking back in my head, do you really know that? And I've had plenty of people that come in and like, they're like, I want a new chain on here, just because they they think they want a new chain. And I'll check it, and it's like perfectly it's, it's still fine. got a lot of life left and i'm like well i can change it for you but it's probably still got another two or three thousand miles in it I'm like oh really i'm like well you could have just done that and take my money i'm like well no i want you to get the most bang for your buck and you get some life out of your bike it just needs to be cleaned properly which yes probably that's that's the next conversation properly. is but <laughs> let's talk about like how to do some proper maintenance and you know sometimes you pe people bring their bike in and the, the chain is so gunked up it's just disgusting and then you yeah. look at the, the pulley wheels oh good lord pulley, poor pulley wheels gunked i'm gonna up. turn into the bike protection yeah. services there's so much grime and gook in there and it's all built up over time and you get the dirt and the all this stuff that kind of coagulates there and it's like you try and like turn the cranks over and they're like making this like deathly like we're about ready to die squeaky <laughs> noise yeah it, it just clean your bike it, it really it's not terribly difficult um do you guys speaking of cleaning your bike do you guys have cleaners that you like or that you recommend that you use pretty frequently and um, often I use soapy water yeah. in a uh, in a spray bottle that I just mix in the kitchen sink. Yeah, that works great. Yeah, yeah. that's all I use. And what I, soap I, do you use? I feel like uh, I have no idea. Paul Mollish dish, dish soap, <laughs> yeah, Kroger brand, whatever's sitting next to the sink. But um, but for my chain and my and my drivetrain, yep. I use a degreaser. Uh huh. I I spray the chain and the and the cassette. Uh, and the pulley wheels with a with a degreaser. Yeah. And there's there's a simple green makes one, and uh, uh, muck off makes one. Yep. I just I have a degreaser as yeah. well. Those are the two things I use. Yeah, I have a good citrus degreaser that I've used for a long time that I like. It's uh, made by Zep. It's got like an orangey smell to it. Um, I also am a big fan of using isopropyl alcohol. I think that's a good way to get extra grease off to get those last little bits off. Um, but uh, a lot of times once you're done doing that the next thing people go to do is put lube on their chain um unless you're using a wax-based lube like a squirt i think a lot of us uh, probably all squirt. of us use yep. squirt matt you still using squirt oh can't hear you Matt. yeah no i'm good okay yeah i um i've been using squirt for a long time and i i still tend to use it i i think there's other options um i love wax waxing a chain it just takes so much time yeah so yeah I, I'm going to, at some point, maybe this summer, like, I'll do, set it up and wax it. Just because I, I really love, like, the feel of the chain when it's waxed. It's just such a nice, clean way to take care of your bike. Sweet. Um, a lot of people, though, use just a conventional lube. 
and they'll put a ton of it on there thinking that more is better and they'll even put it on without cleaning it first so it just kind of builds up but what you need to do is before you put that on clean your drivetrain really well get all that that crap off the chain put the lube on let it go a few revolutions but you really only need that lube to get down into the pins and once you know that that's there grab a towel put it around the chain again and wipe off the exterior part of the chain so that you don't get a lot of that road buildup so um that's another little tip that a lot of people don't really recognize or or understand that you know what's going on there to cause your drive chain to to slow down youtube videos (laughs) (laughs) which you learn that stuff absolutely any sort of wax stuff will flake off, which is nice. Uh-huh. Uh, but I ran into a problem, and hopefully my wife doesn't listen to this uh, podcast, but um, I was riding the rollers inside, and I had, like, gross black flake stuff come off and onto our carpet, and I can't figure out how to get it out. I'm probably going to have to use a degreaser <laughs> on the carpet, I think, to try to get anyway. No, it's not just... much. It's, like, these little spots, but, like, if you guys are familiar, it's, like, you try to rub it out, and it just turns everything black do you have your rollers just sitting straight on top of the carpet or do you have a mat no i have a yoga mat oh really still got on there inflate yeah all you need uh matt is a larger area rug to cover the stain (laughs) on your carpet my wife's like we're getting rid of the carpet in our house anyway so maybe i should just be like yeah maybe we need more bike grease in our carpet we'll get rid of it right on performance wise let's talk about how much performance is gained from a clean bike any do you guys know uh, off the top of your head like how many watts you're gaining or, or saving from a clean chain compared yeah. to a gunked up one i know matt's done a lot of the the free speed friday stuff that he yeah. used to do on his channel all the time and he's looked into a lot of the the benefits that you get from you know a properly waxed chain if i'm not mistaken what are, do you right. can you give us kind of like just a, a general idea as to how much better the bike is going to perform if it's clean and, and functioning well so clean is hard to put a number on because there's so many I mean Jake you've seen bikes that literally like probably won't even turn yeah I mean you if you can imagine putting you know watts into a bike um, through the drivetrain that's gonna make a huge difference if it's if it's mucked up and dirty then you really can't measure uh, just saying like a clean bike versus dirty bike just because dirty is such a relative term however what they have done is looked at like completely clean drivetrains and then they've tried different lubricants on them to see what the differences are and there's sometimes as much as you know 10 to 12 watts difference between different types of chain lubricants <laughs> and so that's clean clean drivetrain and then trying different lubricants and comparing them to others uh, and so that's crazy uh, but um, tends to be that uh, paraffin wax based lubricants tend to perform the best um, and so there's there's real value to kind of just switching your lubricants out to something different. Uh, but I can imagine that something that's really mucked up that, you know, is it's really gross that you could definitely lose um, 10 to 20 watts, which is is a lot to be powering through. I mean, that's just crazy to me that like, hey, take five minutes and clean your bike and you could get basically what some people might get in a year. 20 watts worth of performance increase with their, all of their hard training uh just clean your bike you yep. know i mean that's crazy yep crazy um so some pre-ride maintenance tips you guys kind of went through all your stuff real quick and I, I made a little list here i didn't get into it quite yet but yes air up your tires visually inspect your tires um the last thing you want is to have a, a blowout because it sucks sitting on the side of the road. But you also get into some like situations where if you're railing a corner at like 20 30 40 miles an hour you don't want to deal with a tire blowing out. That's just not going to be no. happy times. So make sure that you're you're not dealing with some old tires that have cracks. Or that's why you want to check and see if there's a slit in there. Or 
like that stuff can go at any point in time and like I, I told the story of like I rode on the bike with a slit I shouldn't have done that that was bad that that's like all right you knucklehead you know better than yeah, that yeah but that's the hard thing is like you see something so this happened to uh, Sean Henry who's a listener of the channel yeah he's like slight slight slit in the tire he's like should I ride it and I'm like I would go ahead and order new tires but then I would probably go ride it like because it all depends on how bad it is you know like if there's the tube showing pushing through the tire, then yeah. yes. But it's kind of like some of those things where you're like, ah, maybe I might be able to get away with another couple rides on this. Yeah, I'm. I, I totally agree with you. I'm thinking back when I looked at mine, it was a little bit more. Um, <laughs> it was an egregious slit. It was like I yeah. should not have probably <laughs> been riding that, and that's completely me. It was being a brand idiot. new tire, so you didn't yeah. want to believe it. Yeah, it's like no. It's it's just... hard to tell though. It's hard to know like when you should you know because there's so many borderline cuts on yeah, little tires yeah um you guys talked about the quick release and, and again this is the five things like make sure that your quick release and your through axle is secure and tight um there's people that will come in like it's not shifting right and like you look at the quick release and it's open and it looks like it's closed but they didn't even like properly lock it down and you lock it down and, and all of a sudden the bike's shifting right and well it make sure that that's yeah. there for yeah. your safety too um I, I still speculate on this, but I, I think that's why we lost our good friend Michael, Michael Myers. It's possible. Possible. It's it's the only thing in after looking at everything from top to bottom that I think makes sense for wh why you know he lost control of his bike. And neither here nor there. The point is, check it. Make sure that it's properly torqued down. If it's the um, you know the, the kind that requires an Allen key, make sure that it's uh, you know properly tightened. If it's the one with the the lever on it, and just lock it down. It's not hard to do that. Um, check your brakes. You know, rim brakes. Um, Matt talked about the fact that he always checks his rim brakes. Make sure that your 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 wheel isn't. Um, it's not out of true. If it's out of true and you've got a spot where it's coming around and it's touching that, that's going to cause your pad to wear unevenly. Um, plus, it's going to unevenly wear the actual wheel itself. The the wheels, because the brake pad is uh, compressing on there, and when you're pulling the brakes, that's how you're stopping yourself. If you don't have, um, you know, if you if, if you have it set up right, it should it's going to break for a long time, but it's still going to wear out over the course of time. Your wheels are going to like there, there's actual like little spots on there where you can check like the wear, the wear indicators. Like your wheels will get to the point where like if it's carbon fiber, it can actually cause them to crap, crap, crack and 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 be done. Or the alloy wheels, it'll get to the point where the the walls are too thin and the tires can actually fail or the wheels can fail. Yeah. So you got to make sure that you're you know checking that little hole on there, making sure that they stay true and that that's all fun and well. Um, with respect to your brake pads if you're using a rotor the rotors again have a life on them and they will get down to a certain thickness and if you have some calipers that you can check and see what the thickness of those is um, that's another thing that you want to be mindful of um, or at least when you take it in to have it serviced that they're taking a look at your rotors to make sure that they're not getting too thin because you don't want them to fail but you can visually look down there and you can see whether or not there's pad left on the brake pad of the, the um, rim brake not the rim brake but the, the disc brake you can check to see if that guy's starting to get a little bit low if you're getting a noise that sounds like it's almost metal on metal it's time to change them um yeah so but th that's quick th to look at the brakes i mean all that is is pretty much spinning the wheel and you're just going to take a visual inspection wipe off the wheel and then move on to the next thing and then the last thing is um clean your chain you don't have to lube it every single time unless the, the weather's been bad and you're you know dealing with a lot of uh i do it usually every 200 miles or so clean your chain uh no lube it oh lube the chain yeah so once a week yeah okay 
Um, I probably do mine a little bit more frequently. I definitely will wipe it down. It, it's not hard just to put your hand around the chain with a terry cloth towel and backpedal a few times just to get the junk off there, knowing that it's still lubed on the inside. But that's actually not a bad idea, that looking at it from a miles perspective just once a week, though, um, as long as it's not making noise. But I'll usually do mine every two to three rides um, in the summertime. Wintertime, it's every single ride I clean it. Yeah. So. All right. My last question, and this is getting a little bit long, sorry. Are there any tools that you guys think that everybody should have? I think we kind of got into this a little bit, but I wanted to make sure that you guys, that we have a solid list for our, our listeners to know like, all right, I don't have this and I need to have it in my tool bag or on my work pinch so that I can basically do the basic things to my, my bike. Is there a list of things that you guys have? We should probably start with like basic, basic. So you should have tie, tire lever, an extra spare tube, like yep. things to be able to change a tire. Yep. Um, then getting into things that are a little bit more specific, the chain checker thing that we mentioned earlier, those are cheap. They're, they're cheap and they're easy. Yeah. They're like anywhere from 10 to 15 bucks. I, I highly recommend I it. Get yeah. Those. Yeah. Something like that. Uh, um, I love being able to change cassettes. And so that does require having, um, a couple of tools. Yep. The lock uh, tool. Yep. Yeah. The, the lock nut tool piece for the cassette itself, but also like a chain whip. Yep. That's the coolest bike na- uh, tool name there is. Chain, chain whip. whip. Chain you whip. Get it for the name. <laughs> Buy it for the name. Keep it for the uh, experience. Yeah. Um, I think everybody needs a set of Allen keys. I mean, that's pretty oh, much yeah. you have to. And then a lot of bikes now, it's a lot more of the SRAM stuff, like having a Torx set too. It's kind of like an Allen key, but it looks a little bit more like a star. Yeah. Um, having those in there as well, just so that you can make sure that you're able to tighten your stuff up. But um, what I highly recommend people get, especially if you're riding a carbon fiber bike, own a torque wrench. They don't, you don't have to get the super expensive one because there are torque wrenches. Even you go yeah, buy the park one, ones. yeah, it's over a hundred bucks for yeah. one of their torque wrenches. But you can get a pretty cheap one just for making sure that your seat collar is properly torqued, making sure that your um, your stem is properly torqued. You know, little things like that. That's important because you don't want to over torque and you know break the carbon fiber, and you don't want to have it under torqued and have have it like rotate on you lance yep <laughs> i've so, done that yeah so um anything else oh a cleaning brush too i think that that's pretty important oh, yeah that's so, nice it's really you can cool. do things like use a old toothbrush have you seen this yeah. where you like uh take two toothbrush and you kind of like rubber band them together and and you can clean chains with yeah. that like yeah. a chain chain a nice little tool. hack yeah anything else any other tools no. uh you know i for me, an important one is a pedal wrench. Uh, yeah. But mostly because I have eight bikes and I have five sets of pedals. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I'm That's always. That's a commercial one, though. That really is. I'm swapping pedals between bikes sure. quite often. And so that's a that's a good one. It's nice to have a an actual pedal wrench because it you can do it with another type of wrench, but it's hard to get the leverage on it yeah. to get your things off people generally put their pedals on way too tight i don't even torque my pedals on no, i it's just just past finger tight I, for just me. past finger tight for me yeah. as well yeah finger so. tight plus a, a newton or two all right well i think that's about it for that topic just make sure that you're checking your bike daily um doing a little bit of service on it probably monthly if not quarterly um, and then once a year, probably take it into a bike shop for a full teardown and, and service if you're riding your bike pretty consistently and frequently. If, um, if, it's, if cycling is a passion of yours and you're 
probably logging more than say 1500 2000 miles a year you're going to have to have a full tune up on it at least once a year if you're riding three four five thousand miles a year it's probably a good idea to have somebody if you're not going to do it yourself do a complete tear down and make sure that everything is clean make sure it's um, put back together properly and make sure it's torqued to spec and it's been completely inspected to make sure that it's going to be ready for you to kill it for the next year because uh you should be out there having fun on your bike and uh uh, squeaky bike's uh, not a happy bike. <laughs> yes. <laughs> we'll make you pull over and fix your bike on the side of the road if it's doing that. <laughs> Jake, what if I put, like, a baseball card in my spokes? That's that's cool, right? That's cool. Yeah, that's cool. I mean, I like a little bit of noise to my bike. Yeah. A little rap, rap. <laughs> <laughs> All right, one last thing. Lance. Uh, one last thing for me. Um, if you haven't seen John Krasinski's YouTube videos he's been oh, yeah. making during this quarantine – he is winning the internet with this stuff. He has, he John John Krasinski is an actor from uh, the, the Office. Office. Yep. yep, and uh, he's been making these uh, twenty-minute YouTube videos. He's made like four of them, where it's called Some Good News, the SGN Network. Yeah, so he's um, just reporting on good things out there instead of all the doom and gloom. They are inspirational and fantastic and just make you feel good to watch so if you want something good to watch john krasinski's some good news like it i like it matt one last thing well i'm always posting videos to youtube if you guys are into swimming biking or running that sort of thing uh the latest video that i posted uh was actually about a goggle company that i really like they make the custom fitted goggles I was super skeptical about them at first. Uh, turns out that they're really fantastic goggles. Probably my favorite, even though they're a little bit expensive, they're probably my favorite goggle. Uh, and it turns out that they are uh, raising uh, donations for um, buying these same custom fitted goggles and giving them all of these goggles to medical providers. Uh, so uh, they're basically you know, at donation at the cost of the goggles. For every $15 that they get, uh, they're they're giving goggles to doctors or nurses or wow, EMT cool. type people. Nice. Uh, yeah, super, super cool of this group. And I'm just thinking to myself the whole time uh, while I'm making this video talking about this company, I'm like, this is a company that's, you know, this is a swim company. And any of these companies that are like, and, and it's not just swimming companies, but like there's a lot of companies that are just not doing well right now, right? And I got to imagine a swim company has got to be one that's like, there are no pools open across the U.S. Who's buying goggles? Who's buying yeah. you know, swim trunks, like no one, right? Like this is not the time to do that. And so I, I'm pretty pumped that this company is like, Hey, we're going to make these same goggles and we're giving them all away. We're going to pay for the shipping. We're going to pay for the production of all this stuff. All you have to do is like, don't, you know, whatever money you donate, it goes towards this hundred percent of the proceeds go to this particular project. So I made a video about that, uh, this week talked about them. Um, uh, just because I thought that was a neat thing that they were doing. Uh, this coming week, I don't know what I'm going to do, but I really want to post a uh, kind of a speculation video on that Garmin Vector Air product. I know we've talked about this a couple podcasts back, uh, but I made, I, you know, I've been playing around with like um, a 3D rendering of it. I can share my screen with Jake probably. Uh, but, you know, I don't know. Basically, the idea is that, you know, we would be able to show something that might look like a random product that Garmin might make in the future. Um, but anyway. That's the idea for a video. Garmin Vector Air, that's the product that uh, you can use as a power meter or you can look at stuff like your CDA. So I'm hoping to put that together this week and get it out. Cool. See if I can do it. Looking forward yeah. to it. Evan Price, one last th thing from you. I got nothing. 
Nothing? <laughs> nothing. <laughs> nothing. You haven't seen anything cool this past week? Maybe uh, no. um, a QOM attempt on Mount Lemmon or something like that? Actually, yeah. Watch uh, watch Paula Finley go after uh, Paula Finley and, and Heather Jackson together on Eric Lagerstrom's YouTube channel. That was a lot of fun to watch. R- really surprising result. Did you get to see it, Matt? Yeah. Yeah, I watched it the Sunday mornings. He's been posting videos, so I've been watching them there. It's perfect timing for me because my wife's, you know, out running some crazy marathon or something like that, so I can <laughs> just YouTube it up. Yeah. Yeah, those are those are awesome Sunday morning videos too. Me and Cassie usually watching them, but yeah, it's a it's a pretty neat video. Cool. Uh, my one last thing, just to kind of wrap up this whole topic for today. If you need help with any of this stuff, I know that we covered a lot of things, and some of this stuff might seem a little um, easy or like a, I don't know pedestrian for some of you people that have been doing this for a long time. So sorry if it was a little redundant or whatnot. But um, if you do need any help, feel free to reach out. I'd be happy to uh, you know if I can't help you personally or in person. Um, which isn't really happening a lot these days. Um, I would be more than happy to maybe point you in the direction of a, a channel or um, a video that you can watch that I think would be good for you. So just post up on our uh, Facebook post then when we post this guy up what you need some help with and I'll point you in the right direction. So Yes, indeed. That's a wrap, kids. We appreciate you listening. We'll see you next week. Thank you. Yeah. Bye for now. Yeah.